started. Psalms 45. My heart is stirred by a beautiful song, I say. I have composed a special song for the king. My tongue is as skilled as the stylus of an inexperienced scribe. You're the most handsome of all men. You speak in an impressive and fitting manner. For this reason, God grants you continual blessings. Strap your sword to your thigh, O warrior, and appear in majestic splendor. Appear in your majesty and be victorious. Ride forth for the sake of what is right on behalf of justice. Then your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Your arrows are sharp and penetrate the hearts of the king's enemies. Nations fall at your feet. Your throne, O God, is permanent. It is the scepter of your kingdom, it is the scepter of justice. You love justice and you hate evil. And for this reason, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy elevating you above your companions. All your garments are perfumed with myrrh, aloes, and cassia. From the luxurious palaces comes the music of stringed instruments that makes you happy. Princesses are among your honored guests. Your bride stands at your right hand wearing jewelry made with gold from Ophir. Listen, old princess, and observe and pay attention. Forget your homeland and your family. Then the king will be attracted to your beauty. After all, he is your master. Submit to him. Rich people from Tyre will seek your favor by bringing a gift. The princess looks absolutely magnificent, decked out in pearls and clothed in brocade trimmed with gold. In embroidered robes, she is escorted to the king. Her attendants, the maidens of honor who follow her, are led before you. They are bubbling with joy as they walk in procession. And they enter the royal palace. Your sons will carry on the dynasty of your ancestors. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will proclaim your greatness through the coming years. Then the nations will praise you forever.
mighty fortress is our God like a mighty fortress is our God and when enemies surround us and they're rising like a flood they break into pieces and they're swallowed in dust. Oh, he rejoices, he rejoices over us. Oh, he rejoices, he rejoices over us. Oh, he's like a mighty warrior, and is our God. Like a mighty warrior, and is our God. His voice is like the thunder, it's rolling through the land. No matter what they say, it's rolling. He's the Lion of Judah, he's breaking off 
Rejoices in the Hebrew. One of its meanings is actually spins like a top. There is a time when he's sitting in like that somber, but there's also a time when he's spinning like a top. There's also a time, as in the Psalms, when he when he rises up like a warrior drunk with wine. He's a mighty warrior. He's not just, he's not weak. 
And when he thinks about you, it's not in a weak way. When he rejoices over us, over us, and he rejoices over us, he spins like a top. Oh, stand up, mighty warrior, stand up and rejoice. our God, like a mighty warrior, is our God. His voice is like the thunder, rolling through the land. Oh, like forked lightning, Lord, your voice, it blows down all the cedars of Lebanon. Oh, God, come and speak, come and speak, come and speak, come and speak, God, come and speak. Oh, come and speak, come and speak, come and speak, God. Come and speak, God, come and speak, God. Oh, come and speak, God. We want your voice. Come and speak, God. Oh, come and speak, you warrior. Come and speak. 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 Come and speak.
Psalms 29. Acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Magnify your name, O oh Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord. Exalt his name forever. Magnify the Lord with me. We magnify you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We glory. In you, Lord, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus. You're the Holy One. You're majestic and splendor. Thank you. 
to do some um, um, some like uh, healing right now now maybe we don't think of it like healing I'm asking the Holy Spirit how do you, how, how do you say this but some of you in this room you have a you have a uh, Okay, a point of reference. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the reference or the paradigm that you're walking in. And, and yet, when you come up to the Lord, um, you notice that he's, uh, he's giving you another point of reference. And it, it, it may seem odd to you the point of reference of the Father. And, and uh, many in here, in here right now, you want this. You want this uh, leap across. It's like, it's like crossing through something, but the obstacles look like they're just way too many. Um, some of the obstacles are your own heart um, that you've seen. You, when you look at what's going on in your own life, some of them, 
they're the obstacles that are in your past. And, and you say, you know, I've, I've come up against this so many times. And yet I know that I was made for so much more. And, um, and so you, you've come up to the Lord and you start to taste His light, like what we're experiencing this morning. And He told me that, that um, many of us draw back because we, um, it's a trust issue. And, and we're just like holding on to our present perceptive reality. And then there's this interesting thing about the Lord, and I've learned this through all my years of being with Him. And like last week, He says, do you believe me what I say that I will gather a remnant? And I said, Lord, I, He said, I know you're looking at what your eyes see, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, where's the big gathering? You know, where's it at? And He says, stop looking at what your eyes see. And so a lot of times our point of reference, if we go out of our own senses, our point of reference would tell us that this is, can't not be true. It can't be true because of my past. It can't be true because of my POR, my point of reference that I have. And yet, I, I remember this last week so clearly and I've had it happen so many times now. I know this is the way of the Father. And He says, do you trust me? And I said, well, I think I struggle with trust, Lord. I struggle to trust you. He said, but do you trust me that I'm a good father? Now I'm standing up here and I said, yes. And he said, do you trust my word? Didn't I tell you this? And I said, yes, Lord, you told me this in your word. How can that ever come to pass? I've been faithful to you. I've done everything that I know to do. I've given all that I have. But do you trust me? Do you trust me on what your eyes see or what I say? And I, I felt my whole soul like go out in faith. And I said, no matter what my eyes see or what my ears hear, you know what? I declare back to you, Lord, that what your word says will stand forever. And man, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this fire comes into my chest. There's a fiery, hot, burning love comes into my chest. And I knew, and I knew something that his kingdom was oriented off of love. And it was different. It was so different and my soul could radiate with love and fire and hope and joy. And he says, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe me. Now, some of you in here, you have words from the Lord. He's been painting a picture in you, in your imagination. And he's been saying, I want you to say that as though it is real into your life. Because God works through your imagination. He starts to paint a picture to unlock the potential of who you are in Him. Because see, the Lord is never going to, ever, He will never, ever, ever, ever agree with a reality concerning you that is not the one that He created you to be. See, the way the Lord looks at you right now is the way He views everything in you. So, so what's the issue? How do I work in this new suit? How do I work in this new reference point? This guy, this gal seems a little bit different to me. It's a little bit odd. And what the Lord wants you to do is to jump into the river, jump into the fire, Believe who he says that you are and paint and co-create with him. 
And they expand out of that dimension. Yeah, but everybody else, they look at me this way. I've even viewed myself this way. Stop. And the Lord said, now stop it. Now stop it and trust my word about who you are. Begin to live out of that new reality, that new paradigm that I've placed in your life. And so there's this leap. Of, we call it the leap of faith. And right now, in this room, I'm going to ask you to exercise your trust. No one can do this for you because God gave this to you to, uh, to go out to Him to cross a chasm and say, you know what, the reality of who you say that I am in you, the imagination or creation that you've decided that I'm supposed to walk in, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop walking in my own paradigm and I'm going to let that new paradigm, the one that you say about me, be the paradigm that I'm going to walk in. I'm going to leave this room today walking in a whole new paradigm. The one that you say that I am. You know why we're at the why am I? To find I am. What happens when you say I am? What happens? This is what happens. All of a sudden, the grace that you need to be who you are starts to pour down through you. And you start operating in the new paradigm of who God says that you are. Now, you got to make this transfer this morning. You don't have to. You can resist who you are. But I'm telling you, it's time for you to pick up who you are and live out of that. Yeah, I tried that before and it didn't work out for me. Go back again and again and again and believe. Let's cross over. We'll just take a moment here. What has the Lord's Word been saying to you? That's impossible, is it not? It's impossible. And if you need to do this, you don't have to do this, but if you need to, like, step out to make an action, this is why we do this in the church, but an action of faith that says, I'm going to move out of a past reality into the present reality of what heaven says of me, you can come up and just say, I'm making a, I'm declaring that when I leave this place today, the person that I am is the one that he says that I am, and I'm not going to live in that other reality anymore. You can make that decision this morning. It's the simplest sin. And the Holy Spirit will flood you. Kara has a word. Um, I guess this is my stepping out. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm, I was asking the Lord back there because I feel like the Lord's speaking to me about something, but I don't really have the whole picture. So maybe you guys, I'm just going to wing it and maybe you can help me out, like put it together. But um, but I know when my heart starts beating fast back there that I got to come up here. So I'm like, okay. Anyways, um, and then what you say. So I don't know how, I'm not going to full picture. Okay. So um, I was sharing with, I met with Tessa, or Klesa this week, and was sharing a little bit with her, but um, I think it was on uh, Monday or Tuesday, um, me and Carol were going to get blood, and um, and we go in there or whatever, and um, like, you know, I have this like citizen's duty or something that I'm supposed to get blood, you know, because <laughs> it's like, plus I like the prizes, to be honest, so... Um, <laughs> So, um, 
I go in there to get blood, and this is probably like the third time this has happened. He has no problem. He gives blood, whatever. But for some reason, like, I have to, like, my mind gets into it, so I have to, like, turn my head, and, like, I'm holding my arm out, and this has happened, like, three times. Um, I don't know if my blood just stops, but, like, my heart starts beating fast. I feel like I'm going to pass out. You know, it's, like, all in my head, but, um, and then the little blood pressure or whatever, the little beeper comes on. So as long as, like, the little beeping thing doesn't happen where, like, it's indicating to me, like, oh, no, something's happening. Like, my blood's, my veins aren't giving blood. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm okay if that doesn't happen, but when the little beeping thing comes on, I, I like start panicking and, and like I'm trying to look away, I'm trying to like move my arms or something to like distract myself, but I can't. And then it's just like, they're, they're calling the people over there, they're like, uh, the other nurse is like calling the, or whatever, calling the other nurse, you know, like, can you come over here? And they're having to readjust it. And then they're like, you know, do the little pumping thing to get your blood pressure up, you know? And by then, like once it gets that far, I'm just like, um, I'm just, she asked me this time, she was like, are you okay? You know, do you want me to go ahead and take it out? And I was like, and I didn't even try. I was just, just like, take it out because I feel myself like that I'm going, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to pass out if you don't like, if I don't get disconnected from this. And I was asking the Lord, you know, about it later because I'm like, okay, everything's spiritual. Lord, why don't, why can't I give blood? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why? why will my body not give blood you know what i mean and um and it's interesting because um it's okay to say about hemophilia i guess that was um you guys know tom mcmanus but um it's carol had been speaking talking to him um, i'm not sure how this goes either but i'm just gonna go with it but um he had been talking about um tom and he's a hemophiliac a so basically, I think what it is, is his blood won't, like, he can't get, he could bleed to death or whatever, I guess, because his blood doesn't clot. Is that, he doesn't have factor eight or eight? Okay, so anyways, it was just the topic about the blood, and I'm just like, Lord. And during this time, um, also, you know, like, the Lord's just doing that whole waiting and that whole thing that he does you know <laughs> where it's like the tension builds up in your person it's just like okay day one you know i'm good day two you know it's, it's getting on my nerves day three you know <laughs> it's like enough is enough day four i'm angry you know and it's like day five you know the tears come you know and for me like just the way i connect it you know um I think like that had happened earlier in the week and then later in the week, you know, after all that tension had came, had was building in me, I broke, you know, like the dam just breaks, you know, and so obviously the tears are just flowing, you know, and then, and then, you know, after the washing comes, you know, it's like after the tears come and the washing comes, you know, for some reason, maybe for me, like I'm holding it and I'm not letting it like leave me earlier you know what I mean but it's like the pressure has to build up and my my blood pressure was low maybe I don't know I don't know the technicalities of all that but 
before it could release and I was um, and I also think about too you know like with people that are hurting they say the whole um, cutting um, thing that you know teenager or maybe many people more than we know engage in with cutting you know they say what I've heard is the reason that people will cut is because they need to feel you know like they need to bleed because because that's the they need to bleed like to feel you know what I mean to feel something because they can't feel something and um and I you know I guess for me you know when my tears come and I feel you know and the, the wall and, and I let it release you know I feel healed and I and I think about you know it says by his stripes we are healed we he was bruised for our transgressions iniquity say it <laughs> I don't know um the, like he was, let me find I'll read it. By his stripes we are healed. I, I, I was trying to find it. Here, this version's, um, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And to say it further, you know, because this is on my mind too. Um, and we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, that very morning, you know, when before, like, the, you know, before the dam broke, per se, you know, in my heart, um, various, you know, the Lord had put on my heart to, like, send a song to someone that I loved when, you know, that, um, that I was really grieving for, you know, and that, um, that I want, you know, but I get, I get, um, sorry, I'm going long, I get, I get tired, you know, of asking, you know, of taking these people before the Lord, to, of taking these situations before the Lord that hurt me. I get, I get, you know, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, I keep doing this and it doesn't seem like anything changes, but I keep bringing it. To, and that very morning I had been praying and asking the Lord, you know, about, um, this thing, you know, and then that was before, like I connected it in my head. And at the end of the day, uh, or towards the end of the day, I'm talking to Carol about this, you know, and about how, you know, how that pressure comes on us, you know, and and how that I needed, you know, to release it, you know. But at the same time, you know, I think the Lord just spoke to me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be short because I know I'm being long, but I have to tell this part too. I, um that same day okay so it's like raining all week right you know <laughs> and of course I had my glasses on my sunglasses at the gas station because I had to go and get gas and I I was finished crying but I was just you know just like I'm gonna put my glasses on because you know I'm not coming in contact with people they're gonna see my eyes and all that you know and um, and I put my glasses on I'm getting gas station and I hear this man on the other side of the pump he says to me I hear his voice say to me um he said does your does your um 
what's the word? Did your car tag say Judah? Like that. And I was like, I was kind of distracted. I even like afterthought thought I was maybe even a little rude because I was so like out of it, you know, but I was like, oh yeah, it says Judah. And he said, oh, he said, that's so cool. He said, my son's name's Judah. And I'm like playing with my, I'm like looking at my phone, you know, cause I don't really want to engage. And, and um, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, our son's middle name is Jude. We named our son, but then like, and there's just like that awkward silence. Like, I'm not going to say anything else, you know what I mean? And then I finally was like, but it's actually for the, we have the tag because of the tribe. And I just left it at that, but I drove away afterwards and I was thinking to myself, okay, Lord, that was you too. Like, why did that encounter happen? Why did he ask me, does your car tag say Judah? And, and of course I'm like looking up Judah and then I'm like, well, what does Judah mean? Judah means praise, you know? And, and it's, I don't even know if this is making all sense, but it's just like, you know, if you can... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm this even's connected in my head properly, but like if I can praise through that, you know, through the cutting and and let and and learn to praise through that and and just know that he he receives and he deserves all the praise, you know, then then I guess, you know, the bleeding that is giving blood. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, is that giving blood, you know? My tears are giving blood, you know, because it's like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. You guys can put it together. That's all I have. comes close we feel and can experience exposure and like Kara was saying when you feel exposed the tendency is to tense up it's, it's our tendency to to not let the flow release why we feel like it's our duty just to hold on and maybe it is for that moment but man when the dam breaks and the release happens this is what we're after this morning I feel exposed I feel highlighted I feel alone sometimes I feel like I'm just like sitting there all by myself what it is, is when this happens, is the Lord is coming near. At the end of this age, at the end of this age, because he says, come and buy gold. He said, don't you know that you're blind, you're poor, and you're naked? Don't you know your condition? Your condition is this. But Lord, I feel exposed. I don't, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be, I don't want to sign up for that. And the Lord's like, let me come near now. Like right now, right now, Holy Spirit, uh, break in, break in, break in, break in. 
Break in, Holy Spirit, break in with power, Lord. Break in right now, Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, break in. Break into the and, and remove the fabric and remove the remove the stop, Lord. Remove the thing right now, right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to release your anointing, Lord, to raise up a generation, Jesus, that lets you in. Lord, we believe you and we trust you. We trust you for the new expression, Lord, of who we are. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let glory come and let your glory rise in us, Lord. Let your glory rise, Lord. Oh, I want to be exposed. I want to be seen in the end of the age with your delight on me, Lord. I'm loved and I'm a lover. I have meaning and purpose. My life is in your hands. Let the blood flow, Lord. Hook me up to great phlebotomists of the ages. Hook me up to your royal blood. Hook me up while I sit there and let yourself and your life have its way. I receive from you, Holy Spirit. You're the great shepherd, O oh Lord.
you draw me out again
from the dirt you've drawn me out and you're drawing me out again and again and again and again oh from hiding you drawn me out and you're drawing me out again again You've drawn me out, you're drawing me out again. And then I find that I only want you, I'm only satisfied by you. just uh, felt led to kind of um, expound on what Kara had to share um, and relate it with um, some scriptural references as well as some um, historical things that have happened. But I think what Kara was sharing is that through no matter what difficulty that we may encounter that is actually um, orchestrated sometimes by God in order to test our heart in order to give in order to give us the chance to be able to give him every aspect of our life because he is worthy um in ezekiel the lord took ezekiel before the rip before the river and ezekiel came to the river and he was at his ankles and you know i mean god is pleased with us when we enter into the river at the ankles but that isn't where he wants us to stay um, he beckons us to go into the river all the way to the point where we literally are drowned and this is also a uh, a, a parallel of taking up our cross daily and dying to ourself. Many people just want to stay in the water at their ankles, splash around, feel good, have a great life, you know. But when they get to heaven, it's going to be wood, hay, stubble, silver, silver, gold, precious gems. The only way we get silver, gold, and precious gems when we get to heaven is when we enter into the waters up above our waist and literally go into the place where we are drowned. Now, Napoleon, 
was a great general, a, a man, a man just like you and us, who his men would follow to the death. Okay, this was just a man, and we serve Jesus, the King of Kings, okay? The, the one who is worthy of all our adoration, of all our strength, of all our might, of pouring everything out, no matter what it is we're going through uh, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, it is worth getting through that barrier of um, can I do this or can I not do this? Um, we look upon Jesus, we look upon his eyes, and he says, you can do this. I have created this scenario for you to go through so that I will be glorified in it. And in it, and in this is a death. It's a death to ourselves. It's a death to what we want. It's a death to our desire so that our desires may be purified and that his desire may be born through us. Now, Napoleon came to the river, right? He was, he, was, um, he was bent on taking Russia. He came to this river that, that separated him from Russia, and the, the season was getting late. It was late autumn, and he had his entire army before him, and the, the river was, was roaring. And it was basically, um, at that moment, a physical impossibility for him to cross. But he was in such a hurry and in such, had such determination to cross that river, he ordered his men into that river. Okay, and they're in full armor, in full regalia, you know, and these are his forward men. They on their horses without a thought. Now this is historically written by one of his generals. Without a thought entered into that water knowing it was their death. And as they're drowning on their horses, they salute their emperor. <laughs> How much more <laughs> do we enter into that water and salute the king of kings and give him everything that we are? so good to be washed man man good morning <laughs> wow awesome <clears throat> well it's um couple a couple things um before we take the offering uh donnie who was just up here he's uh, felt impressed with the Lord this weekend and asked if we could start a WhatsApp, which I don't really know what that is. Do y'all know what a WhatsApp is? But anyways, WhatsApp, he, he's wanting to coordinate uh, for prayer. And if you would like to speak with him after, the, after this event, 
uh, and I believe he needs like your number or something. And so if we have, uh, like he's advancing in evangelism, and then if there's needs though within our body and you want to advance for prayer, that we can, you know, send it through together and then we can pray together because, you know, there's a lot of power in prayer. And so uh, talk with him after, after the, today uh, to coordinate for uh, prayer. And he, so he's going to head that up. And I think it's just be a very fruitful thing. Uh, I ask you to pray for my dad this morning. He's in the, he went to the emergency room last night about 12 o'clock uh, midnight. Mom was pretty tore up. She called me. Uh, just pray for dad. He's, he has, uh, they had put barium in him. And I guess it got uh, seized inside of him a couple weeks ago. And so he, he was uh, choking really bad last night and bringing up bile. And I think they've inundated him, in, however you say that, with a tube. And uh, they've sedated him because he, he's just so erratic. Uh, but just pray for him, if, if you will. Uh, for, uh, you know, his healing, he may have to go and undergo surgery uh, for what's going on in uh, his abdomen. He has a, like a big pocket up in his stomach, and as many of you know, that dad had lost his, they, they had to, he lost his esophagus, so the guy at Duke University had built him a new esophagus out of his stomach. So he doesn't have a lot of room for this kind of thing to happen uh, for him. And just uh, pray for him, and uh, he's over at uh, Park Ridge or Advent Health uh, today, I think. Um, I don't know if people can visit him or not. I, d I don't really know uh, the details of that. So um, just trust in the Lord for his healing. He's been going through a lot lately, and you know he hasn't been with us cause he, uh, for six or seven weeks. Um, so keep him in your prayers. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, let's um, let's uh, pray together and just uh, bless the offering. Uh, I just want to thank all of you that partner with this ministry and give, and we, we bless you and we thank you, and I just pray the Lord would just increase your hands. And um, and Lord, I just ask you this morning, Lord, for the increase in your house, uh, in our finances. I pray, Lord, that you would um, expand us, Lord, through. Uh, the transaction we make in faith and giving. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give us to be able to uh, be a blessing even in the natural dimension of life. And uh, bless your people as they give this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. Wave the banner of grace sunrise is mercy away and from the north I can feel his wind through his goodness I am whole again deep and wide his love is never
Well, let's um, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 22. Got woke up by the Lord this morning kind of earlier. All these things coming into my purview is like the words like, I want you in Matthew 22. But it was, I had seven or eight different things that have been occurring over the last month. And... Um, how the Lord's been touching us in various different ways. And, and Stephen and I had had a meeting this week, and he had brought up this passage, and then it was brought up again to me this morning. And then I began to see that the Holy Spirit was really speaking out of this passage. We're going to go through this, uh, this parable that Jesus said, the parable speaking of the wedding banquet for the Son. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 Starting in verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son, and he sent his servants to summon those who had been invited to the banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, the feast I have prepared for you is ready. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Hey, come to the wedding banquet. But they were indifferent. They went away. One went to his farm, and another went to his business. The rest seized the servants, insolently mistreated them, and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent his soldiers. They put the murderers to death, and they set the city on fire. And then he said to his servants, I suppose he has more servants, because a bunch of them were already killed. Now he's got some more servants. He says to these servants, the wedding is ready. But the ones who have been invited were not worthy. So go into the main street. Invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those servants went out into the streets. They gathered all that they could find, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the wedding guests, He saw a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? He had nothing to say. Then the king said to his attendants, Tie him up, hand and foot, throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Lord, as you know, there's nothing like being a son, parabolic, esoteric preaching by you. So ask for your help. Uh, I can't do this without you, and I can't explain that, which is a mystery dimension without you. I don't know how to do it. But I pray for your grace this morning and unction 
that what comes out of my mouth would be fitting for the way in which you view this. Lord, I, I pray for your perspective about a present-day reality. I pray that it would match what your Spirit says to us. Thank you, Father, that you know all things. And we submit ourselves to you and to your way and to your guidance. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. How many of you in here have looked at this parable before and just scratched your head over it? Anybody? And I think the very nature of parabolic teaching and this storyline that Jesus is giving out is meant, you know, parables are meant to, by the Lord, to draw a certain type of people into them. Anytime Jesus spoke uh, parabolically, and he will say this, he said, wise men or kings had desired to look into these things. Even they had desired to look into the depths of these, but I'll give them unto you as babes. I believe that says in another passage. And so to, to receive another instance in Scripture is Moses, remember? He said that I speak to them in parables, but to him I spoke to him what? Face to face. The reason, reason like in John 6, Jesus will say, um, eat my flesh, drink my blood with no commentary. Why the Lord will show up at the temple with a whip. And it would have been a lot nicer for the Lord to say, listen, what I mean, I'm not a cannibal. I know that's forbidden in the law. You know, let me tell you what I mean metaphorically speaking. If y'all notice this about the Lord, that he'll come to you and he doesn't necessarily put all the, he gives you like a clue here and a clue there and a clue here. And then there's this desire that has to be within you to like seek out what is being said. Have you noticed that? So the Lord isn't going to just give it away. Um, I believe it's in Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to what? To conceal. Every time the Lord is going to bring forth glory, he brings it in a place of concealment. Solomon will say it. God dwells in a thick cloud. Right? Remember this in 2 Chronicles, I believe it is. God is clothed in a thick cloud, but he's like James chapter 1. So every time the Lord comes near, the parable, the parabolic comes ahead of him. And God made it this way because he's after something. Because there's a, there's a certain class of people, there's two different classes of people that will throw the parable out. One is the legal. I don't have time for this. i got to get my business done. The other one is the liberal. I don't understand, whatever, or I'm afraid. And the Lord doesn't, can't speak where there's manipulation and control. You can't understand. He said you can't even understand the things of the kingdom of God unless you come to him as what? A child. Like as a little child, and what is the nature of child, what is the nature of a child? Trust and dependency. 
They just trust every day they're going to be fed. They're going to be taken care of. The lights are going to stay on. Everything's going to keep going. They don't, they don't really know until they get a little bit older how are we going to make it. So the nature of parabolic or esoteric, if you want to use that kind of language, teaching from the Lord is to draw on a certain constituency. Have y'all not noticed that when you go into worship, you enter into like another dimension and it just seems like, what have I been doing? Does, anybody, does that happen to anybody else or does it happen to me? I mean, I, I'm a preacher. This happens to me all the time. I'm like, what was I doing? What was I thinking? You enter into the love, you know, the realm, the realm you're like, I want to be independent. I want to do my own thing. And then you're like put back into affliction so God can have affection. And you're back into the, oh, the crux. Uh, you're stuck like Chuck. <laughs> and you're just like, the Lord's creating this for his sons and daughters. Why? Because he wants to explain something to you, but he can't. He can't apart from human dependency. And I, I tell you, this is really tough for people who are engaged in, um, and he's going to say this, I got to get the farm finished and, and business. It, it's, it, can, it can be tough because you have a lot going on. You got you to care for the, your employees, for your employment, for other people. For, you got to take care of uh, you know, keeping food on the table. It's kind of weird, you know, it's like God gives you something like that, but then he's like, now stop what you're doing and worship me. You're like, but I'm doing what you want me to do. He's like, stop what you're doing and worship me. Because you can't understand this parable until you come to a place of admittance of your complete need for me. And it's, it goes against our human nature. So God's drawing through these parables on a certain type. Uh, maybe a very unusual uh, person. <clears throat> I'm going to come in a way that I'm concealed my motivation. I'm going to conceal myself as I'm in light. I'm going to come out and somebody's going to come and I'm going to see if you are paying attention. I felt like this morning I woke up and it, I hear about my dad. I feel this when I hear about my dad. And I don't know if you've lost your dad or your mother. And some of you in here have. You know this better than I do. But there's a feeling of, I haven't lost my dad or my mom. But there's this feeling of insecurity. It makes you feel like uh, they were on the world in, the, in my life a lot, and now they may be gone, and I don't know. And it, it kind of throws you into a tailspin a little bit. Then I said, Lord, we got enough pressure going on in my family. I can't handle more pressure. And my daddy gets hurt. I, uh, uh. And, you know, we think that the Lord wouldn't allow you to have things in your life that will happen like that. But what it did to me this morning, it just threw me into, I need you, you know. I need you, Lord. And then so I enter into worship, man. I'm playing some worship music this morning. I need you. I don't. And for some of us, it could be a friend. It could be your finances. It could be 
It could be a relationship. It could be, it could be your health. And it throws you into this thing. It's like, I need you. And the Lord's like, I've been talking to you parabolically. Are you paying attention? And uh, I enter into his presence this morning and like seven things appear before me that have been happening over a month. And he said, you see that? What, uh, remember, do, you, do you remember that conversation with uh, jo- Joanna Harris? I said, yeah. I remember what she said. Dad, you remember a couple weeks ago when we were up here worshiping the Lord and it said the garments have been, the white garment of the bride had been hit with shrapnel and it wasn't the fault of people, but the Lord wanted to heal the splinter of the human soul. I was like, yeah, I remember that. He said, you remember, uh, you remember Stephen talking to you out of Matthew 22 this week? I was like, yeah. And he said, do you remember sitting down with Paul Benjamin and saying you'd like to host a uh, round tables here, like almost like a black tie event to feed people and give them a steak dinner. I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, you remember when I told you I want you to start dressing in white? And I said, oh yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) He said, you remember the space helmet? I was like, yeah, I'm not ready for that one, Lord. He said, it's a veil for a man. I was like, oh. I was like, oh, wait a minute. You've been talking to me. And you've been talking to me so I can speak to them, right? Yep, yep, yep. You remember remember Chris Balaton, the message Austin Harris sent, and it was about metamorphosis? I was like, yep. He said, you connecting all this? I'm talking to you. I was like, huh, huh, you know, I'm a little dense. It's a little slow. But he's like, you see the parabolic nature? I'm like, oh, oh, my Lord. (laughs) He said, remember what I said about John and being the friend of the bridegroom and me? I was like, yeah. He said, you remember Steve Scroggs saying in John 17, glorify me so that I might glorify you, Father? I was like, yeah. I mean, it's all popping off like popcorn this morning. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm speaking. You know, and I don't know if you have a relationship with the Lord like that. That's how mine is. It's like 27 different things. Coalesce. Bring it into, okay, this is what you're saying. That's how I know how to actually preach. I don't really know what I'm doing up here, honestly. (laughs) But that's how I learned from him. It's you and Gate because he keeps our family dependent. <laughs> you know, I can be like, I went out, I went out. It's like, no, I want to say something. And what hit me this morning, I said, oh my Lord, you're, um, you're saying that there's going to be a wedding. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I actually, I don't like going to weddings, but I've been that way my whole life. I don't want to go to a wedding. I don't like weddings. Then don't ask me to preach your wedding. Ask Henry <laughs> or Steve. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm not in, I don't want to do that. Um, I love you to get married if the Lord wants you to get married, but I just, just have a little problem with weddings. I always feel uptight. You feel that way? Ma'am, 
I will. I guess I will. <laughs> Daisy said I will preach hers. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> that when you take it, I'm military, so you take commands. <laughs> it's just like, yes, ma'am. So if you tell it to me like that, I probably will. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know. It's like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, no, ma'am. No, sir. You just have to talk to me like that. You have, you're under command orders to do what I tell you. Well, Jesus is um, saying his parable. And I, I'm going to try to give it to you the way he's given it to me. And it's, it's interesting to me because of this thing that he sent out serv- servants to summon those and invites them. Um, I'll do this, Lord. Have you ever, like, have you ever really wanted to tell somebody something, but you knew the direct line wasn't necessarily the way they're going to listen to you? Oh, man, y'all know what I'm talking about. I just thought it, Kara knows all the time. She has a husband. <laughs> but you know that the direct line, being direct, isn't going to necessarily get their attention. And so you work out of a different line. A way that you could do it is you ask a question. You make an invitation by a question. Have you ever thought of this? And let me tell you, you got to be really careful with this because if you have a prove the point thing sitting behind your question, it normally will not be received. I'm just telling you. Have y'all found that out as well? Why? Because, because you want to give dignity to the person that you're asking the question to. If you disrobe them of their dignity, they will not listen to you. And if you try to prove a point to them, they will not listen to you, more than likely, because they'll feel the transmission of the proving of the point. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is like really good marital counseling, too. <laughs> and if you're not married, I'm telling you, <laughs> before you get married, let me give you a warning, warning, warning. Don't ask a question. If, if you get to the past the direct statement of the command, <laughs> and then you go into the, hmm, have you thought about this, but you're implying a point? Well, let's go beyond that. Let's go to a place of, because have you noticed there's certain people in life you just can't talk to them? So you try this really easy, around the edge, back door. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know everybody in here knows. Carrie, your eyes are like big. She's been working this with me for years, and I never knew it. <laughs> and they're trying to corner, come around the corner, but you're trying to offer them respect, and you finally realize, I'm bumping up against something every time I try to prove a point. I'm going to ask a legitimate question that doesn't lead back to me or reinforce my own idea. I want to ask it for their good. This is what I believe is happening here when the Lord begins to send out his servants. He's not heavily layering onto them, I'm the king. I mean, he has every right to. God, God doesn't have to condescend to us. He just chose to. He didn't have to lower himself to such a place just to communicate with us that he would have to ask us a question. He's so humble and loving as a king that he never ever directs a question by making a point. 
even though he has every right to. Do you know the most, I believe this, the most gentle people and the most ladylike actually operate like this. The most gentle, because I've been around some senior fathers in the faith and they're so good to me and love me. And they are so gentle. And 10 years later, I'm like, oh no, I was like so rebellious. They asked me this little question in passing that was so gentle that I missed it. They're so sweet and gracious that I missed it because I'm all about whatever my business. I'm engaged in my business. I got things I got to do. I got to get things done. Any of y'all have children like that? You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm trying to talk to you. I, uh, can I like, hug you? I'm like trying to talk to you, honey. Uh, whatever. I'm wanting to get your attention. Uh -uh. Okay, I'm going to have to bring what? Some discipline. What happens here? He sends out servants inviting them. He's really asking a question. He's Jesus' way is like, hey, um, the father's like, I wanna, I wanna express my son, and I I know it's hard for you to receive the fact that he actually owns you. <laughs> and not just that he owns you, he owns everything you stand on, and your house, and your farm, and your business. Actually, he's a king, so he owns everything, but it's a little bit hard for you right now. I understand that, so I'm going to just do this kind of gently. I'll just ask a couple questions. And so he sends out the servants in this way, and nobody wants to come. I mean, remember the Lord's words? He says, I oft would have gathered you, right? As a chick. Or a hen gathers her chicks, but what? You would not. You know, we're living in Tom and Janie's home right now, and they have these chickens. And um, Randy the rooster, <laughs> and they have Moxie, and they have um, Bianca. <laughs> Blanca, Blanca and Moxie and Randy the rooster. Well, Randy kept coming after Tom, Tom McManus. <laughs> and you know, Randy didn't make it. <laughs> I don't know if Tom had anything to do with it, and he said, please don't, we don't want Jamie to know about that. But there was, Tom said, Tom said, there's only gonna be one rooster over here. <laughs> And I'm the man of my land. And Randy passed away. But before he passed away, Moxie got pregnant. And Moxie had some little chicks. Blanca, she's been making eggs. But Moxie got the special treatment. <laughs> Whoever thought she had preached for chickens and roosters? But anyways, I'm like, Lord, I need an illustration. Use the chicken. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so 
Those little chicks are hopping around. Moxie's little babies. A snake comes and eats her chicks. All her new babies. Moxie will not move to this day. This has been weeks ago. She sits on top of her, her eggs, and she will not move. You have to move her to get the eggs out from under her. And Tom says he thinks that she's broken. And Janie's cried over her. She lost her guy, and she lost her babies. And I, I, I didn't understand chickens at all. I wasn't raised on a chicken farm or anything. I didn't, I didn't know chickens. I know that Blanca likes to get in our vehicle all the time. And she sits in there, and she was sitting on top of our coffee cups the other day. I'm like, what are you doing? She's just looking for a safe place to roost. But I never raised chickens, so I don't know how they are, but I, I realize Moxie's kind of really going through it. And I, I didn't know that, that she would just get stuck like that because of her, her heart. Uh, she loved her little babies. And it, it kind of makes me like, you know, feel like that this is what God meant when he said, I would have gathered you. And I feel like sometimes that God has had to become like Moxie to us. I'm going to sit on you. And you know, I've fought against that because that would be like the little chick underneath your mama. You want to get out from underneath your mama's thing, right? And you want to get out of, out of this thing. And God's like, if I could just hold you down, you'd see how much I love you. We've been trying to go get into business and get into this and get into that. And the Lord's like, I just want to, I just want to hold you. I want you to sit here in an incubation stage so that I can make you into something that you never could have been likewise. In a way, like God is like, through the man Jesus Christ is like, <laughs> I want you to know Randy. <laughs> I want you to know your daddy. I'm tired of losing chicks to the snake. I'll just sit on you. You know, and the, Lord, the Lord's like, you know, do you want affliction or affection? Quit trying to get out from the thing I'm bringing you into. I have a longing inside of me to bring you into something so much more profound. The enemy's out there ready to devour you. I'm inviting you into a banquet. I've got a feast ready for you. I've got something ready for you that's going to, oh man. And this is what, this is what he's done. I've prepared everything. I've made everything ready. I've, he says here, I've made the oxen. I've fattened cattle. I've been slaughtered. Everything's ready. Hey, come to my wedding banquet. They became indifferent, insolent. What's indifference? Anybody ever experienced that emotion? Everybody here. 
You ever, you ever felt like, Psh, what's the use? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll put all in and look what I get out. Anybody experience that? Yes, you have. And I want to tell you one of the greatest inhibitors to the banquet of the Lord is indifference. He says it here. Indifference is indifference is an inhibitor to the move of God and the preparation of the bride. I see it all the time. And I've I'm in leadership. I also have to deal with my own heart. Yes, but I see this all the time. It doesn't matter if I put all in. Scoffers, enemy comes at you in your mind. Stephen, why do you do that? I mean, why? Why do you stand every week and praise the Lord like that? That's a good question. (laughs) I love him. Indifference is trying to come at us from every angle. It's trying to get us off of realizing the eternal reality of God clothing us and preparing us for one of the greatest displays of his glory in the age to come. And so what he says is, because of the indifference, I must go into the natural form of life and I'm just going to give myself to farming. At least I get something out of it. Listen. Because I tell you, when you come up to the Lord, you don't come up to a king trying to get something out of it, even though he's going to outgive you. You come up to him because you love him. And what we're doing here when we praise the Lord We're basically throwing off all the indifference and saying, no matter what, no matter what happens here, I myself will praise the Lord. You you could, listen, you could strip off everything. You could strip down my finances. You could strip down my health. You could strip down me to bare bones. But my bones, my mouth, my life is going to praise you. You can place me proverbially in a place of incubation where I can't move. I feel stuck like Chuck. I feel like I'm, I've been hemmed in on every side. But I'm going to praise you. I don't want indifference to take my heart from you. And I tell you, you know, because you know this, when the flame of love burns hot in the human heart. Whew, ah, you know. Every time before I come into worship, I feel this stuff too, just like you do. But man, when it's like Donnie saying, man, don't cross that river. Bam! You know? Even if I die, I want you more. This is what's going on, folks. This is happening in the earth like never before. Like, who are you going to love? You're going to love everybody else. You're going to love yourself or you're going to love him. You're going to love the idea of him or you're going to love him like Stephen's saying today. You're going to love him for him's sake alone. That was the issue of Job. Job serves you for naught, Lucifer says. He serves you because you put a hedge around him. You give him his houses, his lands. You give him his family. You give his wife, his children. You give him all this wealth. That's why he serves you. Have you considered my servant Job? (laughs) Watch that guy praise me when he's down to skin and bones. He did too. 
Not, nobody likes to hear stuff like this. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's an exclusion clause right here in this parable. You know, we think that God is all-inclusive about this wedding banquet. And I'm going to tell you from this pulpit, because it's not, I would be wrong not to say it, He is not all-inclusive here. You're going to want to be in the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to want to be there. And I want to say this as well. I don't believe personally that the outer darkness that spoke of there is eternal damnation. I just want to tell you that, and you study that for yourself, but I don't believe that's eternal damnation. I do believe in eternal damnation, however. I do, and I'll say it publicly. I believe there's a literal hell. And I'm not, you're not going to hear universalism up here. So he's saying it's like, come to the wedding banquet. They're indifferent. They go back to their regular everyday life. And I'm going to tell you, for some of you, because some of you, you have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of following the Lord. And like Kara was saying today, I prayed. I asked the Lord for such and such. A, I haven't seen the move yet. And, and the tendency is like, I'm just going to give up or I'm going to be stoved up. I can't give anymore. That's the tendency. That's the human nature. To look at what your eyes see and measure it. I like this new song that's come out by it's Dante Bow and the McClure's. It's called Weathered. And I, I would say, like, listen to it. Because he talks about, I want a love that's weathered, not one that's measured. So we stop the measuring. We stop the, if I put this much in, I get this much out. If I go, and I've, I've said this to Kara many times, oh, I'd love to be a farmer. I'd love to be on that John Deere tractor sitting out there. I'll worship you all day long. I'll get out there, and uh, we'll uh, cut the ground. We'll put some seed in the ground. We'll let it come up, and then I'll go get the produce. I'll bring it home to my family. This thing is living. Love to have a really powerful business. <laughs> you go put this much in, you get that much out. I'll serve the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a farm or a business and be at the banquet either. What I'm saying here is, is that We've got to set him as our first priority, our first longing, our first motive, our necessity, our need, and recognize how quickly we can get off point. Listen, you know it. You know it just like I know it. That's why I've been doing two and three a days. And I want to explain what I mean by this because Daniel did it and it works. I'm talking about time out. Stop what I'm doing. I'm going to worship the Lord until I enter in. And let me tell you, never enter in to the Lord until your mind shifts because you won't go in with your feelings and your mind. You go in blank slate. And when you hit blank slate and the Lord starts to create in you, you'll know you're in a new space. That's when you enter in. Your prayer is not a prayer of pleading and things like that. It's you walk with God like Enoch did. You, you begin to walk with him and it, you're just like, oh my Lord, it's you. And you feel his presence starts to communicate something to you. Indifference drives me back to the things, I got to do this and do that. And yes, you do have responsibilities and you have to do them. But I don't want that to be my modus operandi every day. I want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I need to pursue the Lord right now. Like, oh, I got all this stuff to do. Stop what you're doing. Daniel did it and administrated the whole kingdom of Babylon. You can too. Because none of you in here are administrating that I know of. 
an entire kingdom. Anybody in here? Maybe we don't know. <laughs> Maybe Pinky and the Brain's in here. <laughs> I don't think she knows. It's like, we're going to rule the world. <laughs> I got this secret, like, hidden thing going on. I'm ruling the whole world. Nobody knows, though. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to tell us that you're ruling the world, but I don't think anybody in here is doing that. Uh, my point is, if Daniel's got three a days, so can you. If Winston Churchill, I think, was on his bed till noon, and they put down Hitler and stopped the whole thing, I mean, so can you. <laughs> you know, you can rest in the Lord. You'll get more done, actually. You'll be more productive. Hey, come to this wedding banquet. This is crazy what people do to the person who's expressing love. And I think if you, it's so weird, but the person sometimes expresses love the most, we get mad at the worst. Has that happened to you? Aaron, this happened to you? You know what I'm talking about. Like, this is the way we deal with the person that expresses love the most. Seize them. <laughs> How do we do that? We wall off the person of love in our mind. We build this kind of thing and say, I don't want to hear that. We don't realize, you know, I realize this a lot in my marriage because I have a wife that's really loved me a lot. And I didn't even understand. It's like, you know, get out of my presence, you know. You're making me feel bad. We seize the person who's trying to express love to us the most. Now, we want to put a stop to it. We can be insolent. Did anybody give me the definition of insolence? Say it out loud. Disobedient? Disobedient, insolence. What's that, Steve? Confident disobedience. You know what I mean? You're not going to tell me what to do. No, you're not. I'm going to do what I want to do. Anybody ever, has anybody ever done that besides me? <laughs> you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. The person is trying to get to you by love. Maybe God's trying to get to you by love. Confident disobedience. I'm insolent. And it can get down to this. They killed them. Because confident rebellion or confident disobedience can lead to hatred, and hatred in the human heart is the same as murder, and it can actually lead to murder. The person that loves you the most, you can want to actually take their life. Then this happens. It's happening. It happens. It's happening in our culture right now. Someone says the truth, and it's done in love, not meanness. I mean, it can be done in love. Anger rises out of these people saying, don't you tell me, right? Look at our universities right now and what's going on. It's happening all over our culture. You can't express even the truth in love. I mean, take all the microaggression out. All the virtue signaling and all of that, just put it. I can't hear you say anything because inside the heart is this insolent disobedience. It won't allow the love to come in. The king was furious. And he says, he sent his soldiers 
and they put those murderers to death. Do you know what's happening in our culture today? You're able to murder without impunity. More and more, take the unborn child as one. You're, sore, you're celebrated. You're protected. The Lord, though, puts them to death. The Lord brings out capital punishment. And man, I can't get into all that this morning. I'm just saying, he says he set the whole city on fire. And we think, that's aggression right there. That's not even microaggression. <laughs> like, burn the whole city and kill everybody that did that. This is where I don't think sometimes we understand. So many people don't understand this lion. We're playing games with him. Oh, is he a lamb who condescends? Yes, but he's a lion. He wants to remove everything that hinders love. But I'm telling you, man, this king that's coming back, he's going to slay his enemies from the sword that comes out of his mouth. This antichrist system that's raising up in our earth right now, it is better for people to turn to the Lord right now like never before and not be marked by that ideology and allow your heart to be exposed. Because the Lord's going to put them to death. He's going to set things on fire. I mean, I'm telling you about a man. You think John's repentance is something. This king's coming. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. He's going to burn up everything. He's a man of fire. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. And, you know, I think in his parable, I think I hear this from the Lord right now, but this is like the first and second advent, and so now he's got a new servant class. He's got these guys, and he's saying, hey, the wedding is ready. But the ones who were invited are not worthy. Another exclusionary cause. They're not worthy to come into this. I've marked them. They're not worthy. And we might think of the ten virgins. Five had oil. Five did not. They haven't been getting oil. I don't count them as worthy to come into my wedding banquet. Do you know, um, let me just say this as a side. We've pandered Jesus out like he's some poor pitiful guy. You know, please come serve Jesus for his sake. He's pitiful. This is a picture I'm getting here. I don't get a pitiful Lord here. I'm not getting a picture like that at all, actually. I'm getting a warrior. I'm getting a lover, yes. But I'm not getting a picture of a guy that's playing games. I don't get that at all. I'm getting a guy saying, hey, you're not worthy. He sets up another exclusion. Hey, you're not ready. Well, I tell you what, and I'm, I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> I think a lot of the church who's thought they're self-ready are playing games with the Lord. They took him as a savior, but they didn't make him their Lord. 
He wasn't the commander and master or husband of their heart. They're playing games right now. They don't even know it. Well, they're not worthy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you servants, what I'll tell you to do. Go out in the streets, gather all that's found, both the bad and the good. Then he brings in the whole house, and it's filled with guests now. So now you got the whole house filled up with guests. And watch this. He saw that the man, there was this man standing there, and he was not wearing wedding clothes. Now, Stephen made the point this week is, I mean, how do you know? He's on the street. I mean, do guys on the street, I mean, if you think of guys on the street, literally, do they have, like, a wedding garment, you know, I mean, have you ever seen a guy out on the street that's living on the street that's homeless? You ever seen him like walking around with a tux on the back of it? I mean, he's got my tux. Yeah, uh, I know, I know. He's calling, you know, I got my tuxedo. I, I got it from the cleaners. <laughs> have you ever seen a man who's homeless with a tuxedo? Anybody? I mean, I personally have never seen a man who's homeless wearing his tux. I think I'd be kind of cool. It'd be really cool as like, all the homeless people's like in tuxedos. Oh, we're we're getting ready. <laughs> we're getting ready. <laughs> and this is where this is this really got to me this morning because he says this, listen to me. And it's got to me personally. He said to him, "Friend." Now, who have you ever heard God call friend? Well, he called Abraham friend, right? I mean, he's the father of faith. I just want to set the bar because I think the Lord this morning really, it really shook me up this morning. I said, man, this bar for this wedding banquet is pretty high. I mean, you called Abraham friend. He was of the friend class. He's servant, son, friend. He's of a whole different class of human being. Abram, y'all remember, he was called heir of the what? The world. I mean, this guy, Abraham, is no joke, man. He ties to Melchizedek, for goodness sakes. God calls him friend. God says it here, right here. Friend, how'd you get in here? Now, Carol, you cannot, I mean, set the exclusionary clause at that level. I didn't. Jesus did. Jesus is the one telling this parable, not me. It shook, shook me up this morning. He said, who else, who else called himself my friend? I said, John, the Baptist. He's called FOTB, friend of the what? Man, it hit me, friend of the bridegroom. Hey, listen, friend of the bridegroom doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in this room. And you, now, I'm landing my point now. I mean, I was like, Lord. You know, because we all have this entitlement. We don't even realize how much is pervasive in our ideology, especially in this nation. Every soccer person gets a trophy. Don't matter what they did. Everybody is awarded. It don't matter what, right? Look at it. It's 
we think the way the kingdom operates the same way we operate. I'm like, Lord, friend of the bridegroom. Now, you got to hear me here. You got to listen to me now because I did all that just to say this. I said, Lord, what's the difference? Listen to me. Listen to the Lord. John's ministry, John 3.30, John says this. He must increase, I must what? And all of us within the, the church world would say, that's what I'm talking about. Friend of the bridegroom, John's ministry is this. He must increase, I must decrease. Steve so aptly pointed this out to me in John 17, though. Listen, Jesus' ministry is like this. Look at John 17. Listen, listen to the word of the Lord this morning. Because this is the fundamental shift that, and the metamorphosis that must take place inside the body right now. And I speak, but I speak from the Lord, something that I personally have never really understood. And it's happening. John records this, Jesus says in John 17, And when he had finished speaking, he looked up into the heavens. Where did he look? He stops talking. He looks up. And he says, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. What is the difference between John's ministry and Jesus's? John's is, he must increase, I must decrease. Jesus's is, I must increase so that he may increase. You can't do that. That's what the enemy said to me. You can't pray that prayer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, Christ in you. Oh, come on. Come on, we have to get this reality. There's many out there preaching the FOTB message. It's not going to do for the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's not going to do. You're going to come in that room because you look like him. We have to make this shift. And, and I'll tell you, this shift and this metamorphosis, it's upon the end time remnant church. Stephen, you come. We must shift out of plus negative into plus plus. I can't do that. I can't trust myself. I don't know about me. The only way you can be plus plus is you must have your eyes fixed on him in the heavens. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's no longer me that is manifesting me. It's I am in me manifesting his consciousness through me. It's not me trying to get into something. It's God trying to get out of me. It fundamentally is the gospel of the Lord. And it's the gospel of the kingdom. 
It's no more plus negative. Listen, it says about Moses that he was a servant in God's house. It says that he declared the revelation of that which is to come. He was a prophet in his generation to declare the future. But it says about Jesus that he wasn't a servant in the house. He's a son over the house. Listen, we got to get this. This is the metamorphosis. This is the transition. I don't know how to walk in that, Carol. Stop talking and look up into the heavens from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Let's stand together. I, uh, hey, first, it, it felt really intense for me because the Lord's like, you must come out of the black into the white. I was like, I don't understand. He's like, it's time to put on the wedding garment. It's time to embrace this reality. I've personally been spending a long time of my life trying to get the heart of the Father. But what happens when you have his heart? Listen, today I want you to be activated. We did this during the worship because John has God's presence, but Jesus has his power. You can't be trusted with power. No, you can't unless your eyes are looking on him. You'll abuse it. You'll misuse it. Oh, we must morph. We're not meant to be a caterpillar. We're meant to be a butterfly. I mean, the real chrysalis has been all around us. The gold that God's been forming. He said, you know, Tommy Osherman, I heard, was asking the Lord years ago. He said, buy me gold. What is he saying? Buy me a cocoon that you can be really transformed into. Buy me something that can bring human transformation. Unlike, let me unlock who I am in you. I want to be unlocked. I'm tired of thinking what other people think about me and letting that color who I am. I'm tired of thinking that who I am is what I think about me instead of what he says about me. Man, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of walking out of here and being hit by that and trying to live up to some cultural standard that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. I want I am in me. Can you say this? Even if Austin said, I've been saying it all week, Carol. I've been saying, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. I can't say that. Yes, you can because you have the Lord inside of you. You have his spirit living. I want light to begin to break forth out of me. I don't want to be a living soul. I want to be a life-giving spirit. I don't want to be oriented to first Adam. I want second Adam to just take off and boom, let the, let the life of God come out of me. I was created to create with you. Some of us, man, the expression of who you are. I've been walking around looking at people. I was like, you have a soul. And that soul is the most powerful thing God ever created. I mean, it's amazing what God made when he made you. Do you know who you are? Oh, it's glorious. Unspeakable and full of glory. I want light. I'm tired.
God, I want to look at you face to face, Lord. Not just always having to see a parabolic nature. Oh, Lord, prepare the bride for the great embracing in the end of the age. Prepare our hearts even now to behold you for who you really are in us. Christ, more of you in me. No more inhibition, no more insolence, no more being stopped up and stoved up. Lord, I want all of whatever, whatever, whatever has to come off so that you may be magnified in me. Magnify yourself in me, Lord. Magnify yourself through me. crack open. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. They say that if, if you open that chrysalis too soon, that butterfly can't fly. And even into the last minute while the chrysalis is coming back, the butterfly has to be connected to the blood because if they don't, their wings won't spread and they won't fly like they're really meant to fly. We need the Holy Spirit we need the Holy Spirit as the great shepherd. As he's making us ready to fly. Yes, you can fly. You don't have to crawl on the ground anymore in the dirt and the mire. Yeah, yeah. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him or called according to his purposes. Oh, when you break out into who you are, know how much you could resist this until I myself was resisting it. I didn't want to be dressed in white. It's like, what's wrong with me, Lord? Why wouldn't I want to be dressed and clothed in white? He told me this morning, he says, as you embrace my light, I'll start putting more components onto this light being that you are. He's sort of like a transformational upgrade. The more you embrace the light, the more you become like the light because you become like him as he really is. Let him add the implements of light to you this morning. Yeah, I don't know how to use this new technology of light. Yeah, because it travels faster than sound. Remember, Jesus had quitted speaking. He looks up into the heaven. Father, 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 glorify me. Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you.
This is, uh, this is to encourage you because some of you may be asking this question. Because I've been asking this a lot. Like, I don't know how to use this new super suit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to engage with this technology of the Spirit. It's different. It's different than what I expected. I really, really deep down inside, I don't really want anybody to know, but I really like it. But maybe I got to be careful about bringing it out. It might laugh at me or look at me like I'm kind of weird. But I'm really kind of really deep down inside, I'm really excited about it. But I don't really know how to use it. I don't know how to use this technology of plus plus. And over the next weeks, I'm going to be developing this with you. I'm going to be giving you what I'm getting from the Lord. We have a myth, a myth like, like with Arthur, King Arthur, he had to wield Excalibur. And he struggled in the wielding of something that was as powerful as that, but eventually, He's able to look really deep inside and say, man, if I don't wield Excalibur right, it's going to affect everybody else in a bad way. And there's there's this thing that we really need you to be who God is inside of you. We really need you to be who He is in you. We think that that's, that's wrong, but we need you to be but not just you, but who He is in you. We need, the body of Christ needs your expression. 
I was rocking around Billmore Park and I was sharing this with Tommy Oshman and this lady's over there at Queen Juice and she throws her hands up in the air right when I said, he, we just need to be who we are in Christ. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right, that's right. And I said, oh man, even, I don't even know if she's saved or not, but she's just like, yeah, just like waiting on somebody to tell me it's okay. Jesus is saying it's okay. And I can't tell you what tool to pick up or what piece of technology. He created that for you. You know, for me, he told me it's going to look like a spacesuit. Of course, right? But he said for Moses, it was a staff. For Joshua, it was a man with a drawn sword. With Jacob, it was a limp. For Noah, it was an ark. I don't know what the expression is of who you are when he's in you doing his thing. But I tell you, we need that out of you. And God wants that out of you. He doesn't want you to keep shoving that. No more positive negative, but positive positive. Why do you think he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood? Ingest me into you. Let I am come out of you. I am is the most powerful reality. It is the reality. It's not a perception. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a mathematical postulate. It's not an educational system. I am is God. When Jesus is asked, are you Jesus of Nazareth when he's going to be betrayed? He says what? I am. And when he does, all those warrior class go backwards on their backside. I am is the most powerful identity of the human heart that there can be. When Moses is commissioned to go and to save Israel, God says, I am what has sent thee. Moses says, who am I? And God says, I am. Here we are at why am I? God says to us, I am. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. of you right now, I can see this in the spirit, are being given shoulder pads of light. It's because the government shall be upon shoulders. God's investing you with governmental authority to conduct his kingdom, a government of light. Receive light onto your shoulders. My yoke is easy, the Lord says. My burden is receive light that doesn't push you down and take you down but is free to run free to engage with the spirit he said this is the cup of the new covenant listen not an old covenant but the new because he said behold I make all things new and he 
would say to us that you're a new creature, a creation. You're a new creature. You can't tie you can't tie that person down. You're brand new. You're brand new right now. It's in his blood. And it's not stuffed up. It's not it's not congealed. It, it's freely flowing. He said, I give it to you. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.